God, as the great designer, has given you the gifts that he wants you to have. He wants, he's designed you and, and prepared you and given you the life experience that you have so that he can take that life experience and use that for his glory in the future, in this year, 2020. So you can take what you know, your knowledge, your abilities, or even your, what you don't know yet, but what you're going to learn over the next months, weeks, and months ahead, and use that for his glory as he tries to use you to reach those around us. And how others saw that gifting and how we're going to come alongside how they used those gifts, how they used that calling in their lives right back then, 4,000 years ago. See, when we look at the calling of God, well, Saul and David have a calling in their life. God has called them to a purpose. And it's clear because they were anointed with oil. Now, God didn't, I was never anointed with oil when God, when God called me into the ministry. He said, David, I want you to go and preach. I want you to become my servant. I want you to follow me and serve me for the rest of your life. There was no prophet that walked up and anointed my head with oil, as they did back then. But there was a calling in my life that God placed. And just as he placed a calling in each of our lives as well, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But we're also, once you're called, you're gifted to that calling. You're gifted to that calling. And see, gifting in the Bible means that God gives you to carry out the calling that he's placed in your life. Those are the things he's given to you to carry out that calling. And you may look at it and say, God, I can't accomplish what you've called me to do. I'm weak. I'm, I'm, I'm unknowledgeable. I, I don't have the, the good looks or the whatever it may be. You're right. God has to gift you with some of those things. And then he comes alongside, and others come alongside, and they go, you know what, David? You know what, Mike? You know what, Jonathan? You've been gifted in a certain way. And they use others to affirm those giftings and that calling in your life, just as he did with Saul and, and David. We're going to look at that this morning. So Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 10, we're going to take a look at, the, at Saul's story real quick. If you, know, if you remember in, in 1 Samuel, Samuel started off in the temple, in the tabernacle, serving in the tabernacle as a young boy. And God called him, literally, audibly called him as a young boy into his service. He worked in the tabernacle, learned the things of God, learned what he needed to know, learned the word of God, and he was raised up and became a prophet of God. And then the nation of Israel began asking God, a king. Say, God, all the kingdoms around us, all these other nations around us, they have a king. All we have is you. God, give us a king. God, give us a king. And Samuel came to us and said, now if, you would give, if God gives you a king, this is what it's going to mean. He's going to call your kids into service. He's going to tax you. All these things that you don't really want. You just want to be like all the other nations. But because you're asking for it, God's agreed to give you a king. And so one day Saul was at his house and his donkeys ran away. And his job as the son of Kish was to go and find the donkeys. So he leaves his house, he leaves his village, and he goes out and he goes from village to village to village over this mountain, over that hill, looking in vain for his donkeys. He can't find the donkeys. 
So he says to those who are with him, he says, let's go and find the prophet of God. Surely if we go to the prophet of God, we can ask the prophet of God, and the prophet can intercede on our behalf and go to God and find out where the donkeys are. So they find out where Samuel is located at that time, because he kind of travels around. They find out where Samuel's located, and they go to where he's at. And Saul comes in and goes, prophet of God, can you intercede and find out where our donkeys are? What does Samuel do? 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 1. It says, Then Samuel took the flask of oil and poured it on his head and kissed him and said, Has not the Lord anointed you to be prince over the people of Israel? And you shall reign over the people of, over the, people of the Lord and them from the hand of the surrounding enemies. And this shall be a sign to you that the Lord has anointed to be prince over his heritage. He anoints him with oil. He just totally ignores the question. He totally ignores the question. He says simply, you have now been anointed as the king of Israel. Oh, and by the way, the donkeys have been found. They're back home. So here's Saul. He's going and looking for the prophet to find out where the stinking donkeys are. And instead of finding the donkeys, he finds the prophet, and the prophet anoints him with oil. He says, you have been called by God. You have been anointed with oil by the prophet of God to become the next, not the next, but the first king of Israel. So he was called to it. He was gifted to it. The Bible says that he left that place and he ran into some other prophets of God and they were prophesying as they came down the road and Saul, as he got up to them, joined them. The Spirit of God came upon him and he began to prophesy with them. And he said the, prof- the Spirit of God that came upon him mightily. He was gifted at that point for the calling of God in his life. So he was called, he was gifted, and all those around recognized something's going on here. Something special is going on with this man Saul. He is, the hand of God is upon him. They saw the oil in his head. They witnessed him prophesying. And then literally in verse 6 there of chapter 10, it says, he literally turned into another man. He was not the same son of Kish as he was when he left his father's house. Once the Spirit of God came upon him, he literally became another man. The Spirit of God was on him. It reminds me of Virginia, Liberty University, where I went to school, there's a, the church that, we, that was affiliated with Liberty was called Thomas Road Baptist Church. Jerry Falwell Sr. was the pastor there for years and years and years. Um, used to be a televangelist. He passed away several years ago. Some friends of mine were at Thomas Road the Sunday before Jerry died. And his younger son, Jonathan, who was being groomed to take over the church, several thousand member church as well as the, the school ministry there, he was being, Jonathan was being groomed to take over the church, and he preached a sermon that Sunday before his father died. And so friends of mine wrote me after he preached and was like, oh, we hope Jerry never dies. Because <laughs> Jonathan was so bad. Two days later, Jerry dies. The next Sunday, Jonathan stands up in the pulpit 
to preach his first sermon now as the pastor of the church instead of just his father's right-hand man, associate pastor, learning, trying to learn the ropes. He now steps up there to preach his first sermon as the pastor. And my friend wrote me later, he goes, the difference between the one Sunday to the next was like two different men. Two totally different men were in that pulpit. It was the same person, but totally different men. See, over here, he'd just been called. He knew he was going to be the pastor. He knew he was going to take over, but his dad was still around. And he was preaching, doing an okay job. Here, the Spirit of God had come upon him, and he was now preaching with power with a totally different passion. See, that's what happens when God calls you to something. He comes upon you. Holy Spirit, it's not us and our own human abilities. It's the Spirit of God coming upon us, which empowers us to do the work that God's called us to do. When we went overseas, there's no way I could learn foreign language. I could not learn Korean or Chinese to spare my life. There's no way. But when God called us over there, my wife says, honey, you're the first Baptist to speak in tongues. Because all of a sudden, I was able to speak in Korean, I was able to speak in Chinese, and be able to communicate with those around us. There was not within my giftings, not within my natural ability, but somehow God allowed me to be able to learn those languages to the extent where I could now communicate with those around us. When God has called you to something, He will empower you. So Saul, David also, David was also called of God. Now remember, if you know the story of David, Saul is still the king. Saul is still the king, but he's kind of, he's turned his back on God. He's offered his own sacrifices. He's not sought God's face and things. He's not done things in the proper way. So God rejects the family of Saul and all Saul's descendants from being the king of Israel. He says, I'm going to search all around Israel and I'm going to find a man after my own heart to become king and lead my people Israel. So he tells, he tells Samuel, I want you to go to this house. Go to this village, find this family, and when you get there, I will let you know who to anoint as the next king of Israel. So Samuel walks up to Jesse's house. He walks up the door and knocks on the door and says, I need to see your sons. So as Jesse goes, okay, I got my sons are here, and he lines them all up. And as they walk before Samuel, one by one, the oldest one comes by, strong, good-looking. And Samuel says, surely this is the one. God says, nope, that's not it. Second one comes by, nope, that's not him either. Third one, fourth one, fifth one, sixth one, seven sons walk by. And Samuel says, surely one of these has got to be the one that God is choosing to lead Israel. God says, nope, none of those. So Samuel says, Jesse? Do you have any more sons? Well, yeah, I have one more, but he's out in the field. He's just a small runt. He's just out watching the flocks. Samuel says, go and call for him to come. As David walks in the house, God says, this is the one. And 1 Samuel 16, verse 13 says this. says, so as David stood there among his brothers, his older brothers now, he stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil that he had brought and anointed David with oil. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. See, three things are true about Saul. Three things are true about David. 
They were called, they were gifted, and others saw it in them. In fact, you see it in David's life in just a couple of verses later in verse 18. And as, uh, as, as Saul is needing help and he's got this evil spirit that's been tormenting him, he's there in verse 18 and says, One of the servants said to Saul, One of Jesse's sons from Bethlehem is a talented harp player. Not only that, he's a brave warrior, a man of war, and has a good judgment. He's also a fine-looking fine looking young man, and the Lord is with him. They recognize there's something special about David. So when Saul needed somebody to come and play the harp to comfort him when, he, when the afflictions took him, they called for David. They recognized there was something special. Later on, David steps up to use his gift. But see, it's here it's easy for others to see. It's easy to see others' giftings, isn't it? It's easy to look at those around us and go, I can see where God can use you. I can see the, the hand of God upon your life. I can see how God is touching you and desires to use you in a certain way. It's easy to look around at others and see those giftings and see how God might be desiring to use them. But what about us? What about you? See, the same thing is true for you and me as was true for Saul and David. God has called us to a ministry. God has called us to a purpose, to a task in reaching our community. God has gifted us for that task, and there are those around us that can see those, that gift. Think about it. As the children of God, as, body, as people of the body of Christ, we all kind of have one common calling. In general, don't we? We have one common calling in general, to go and to reach our community. Our calling is to go and make disciples. Our calling is to be follow God with our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. In the Old Testament, they called that the Shema. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Worship the Lord with your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. That is our general calling. To seek Him first. To seek Him first before our, our spouse, before our family, before our job. To say, God, how do you want me to live today? How can I honor you with my life today? And you know what? If we're seeking God, and our spouse is seeking God, and our kids are seeking God, we're all seeking God together, it all kind of comes together harmoniously. It's awesome when it works together. But we're all called to follow Jesus 100%, to love God, to love others, to make disciples of those around us, to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to teach them, to disciple them, so they can go and make disciples as well. That's our general calling together as the body of Christ. If, we, if you name the name of Christ, and you say, I don't know what God has called me, that's the very first thing. We have all been called to that. We have all been called, and not only has He called us to that, He has gifted us for that. But, Pastor, I, I don't know enough about God's Word. How can I share with people what I don't know? Remember in the demon-possessed man that Jesus healed. I love that story. Jesus healed this demon-possessed man, cast his demons into the swamp, to, to the bunch of pigs, and they ran over the cliff. And then the man comes back and says, Jesus, I want to follow you. What does Jesus say? No, you can't follow me here. Put these pants on, but now go back to your village, and you tell them what God has done. That's all we have to do. Tell people what God has done for us. That's the bar- our basic testimony. What has God done for you? What has God done for me? 
But beyond that, maybe God's called us and, lead, and you feel led to step out to start a business. So that you can become a, a good gobble, uh, a good witness, a testimony in, in, in a, a business with employees and stuff. I've got several Christian businessmen that I know around this area, and they feel very strongly that God has led them to start their business so they can then pour into their employees, to those that are there under them, not just pay them a decent wage, but pour into them, help them to find their place in life as well. Maybe God's calling is for you to stay, is to stay as a stay-at-home parent, and that calling that God has given you to raise up your kids in the fully devoted followers of Christ. Maybe that's where you're called. Maybe you're called to go to your job every day to be a witness and example to your coworkers and to your boss and to those that are there with you. Maybe you're here today and you don't have any clue what your specific calling is. That's okay. That's okay. We're hoping that God will reveal that to you. As he does, the important thing to know that he is going to be the one who calls you to it. You may not know exactly what your calling is today, but be aware that God will call you to it. And if he has called you, he's also gifted you. If he has called you, he's also gifted you to the task. Look over in Romans chapter 12 with me. Romans chapter 12 in the New Testament. I love this passage. It says, we are being called, we have been gifted by God. Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8 says this. In His grace, God has given us different gifts. In His grace, He has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given to you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If your gift is as a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you the gift of leadership, leadership ability, take that responsibility seriously. And if if you have the gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. So what's he saying here? What is he saying here to you and I? We have each been given a gift. When you become a child of God, Holy Spirit comes in and dwells you, just like he did to Saul and to David. Holy Spirit comes in and dwells you and gives you a gift, one or more, that he expects us to foster, to develop, so that we can be used in his kingdom for reaching those around us. None of us are to be complacent and just be pew sitters. We don't have pews in here. None of us have been called to just come and sit. We're all to expect it to be used that gift. So if you have the gift of prophecy, speak out. He's saying if you have the gift of giving, give generously. If you have the gift of serving, serve well. If you have the gift of teaching, teach well. If you have the gift of encouragement, use your gift to encourage others around you. Use it, use it, use it. Develop it, develop it, develop it. There's a reason why kids in school grow as we learn in school, we don't start off with algebra in, in, in first grade. You wait till a little later, you begin introducing those concepts slowly as they progress through school. Just like when somebody's a brand new baby Christian, we don't expect you to have everything figured out. It's a growth process. As the Holy Spirit works in us and develops those things within us, He is growing us to become the children of God He wants us to be. Others can see it. So if you're called to it, you're gifted to it, others can see it around you. If you don't know what your gift is, just ask around you. I bet others can tell you. When I first talked about going overseas, 
was a missionary. I talked about going into ministry, and then as a pastor, my mom and dad were like, we knew it. We knew it. We could see it in your heart. We could see your passion, your desire to, for others, your desire to learn the word of God, your desire to share that truth. Well, we knew it, what God was going to call you to. So even though I was clueless, my parents weren't. They knew what was going on. I see in my own kids' lives, I see how God is developing them, and they may be clueless about where God's got them in the future, but we kind of have an idea. As I get to know each of you better, I, I get to know you and see where your certain giftings are and how God may be working in your lives as well. If you or don't know what your gift may be, where your calling may be, just ask somebody close to you. Ask somebody around you. I'm sure they could give you a clue, give you a, a hint. See, the problem is that we fixate on our weaknesses and we think God could never use me, right? I come into my life, with, I, I know where my weaknesses are, I know where my gaps are in my life, I know where my gaps of knowledge are, and I think God can't use me because of me. Well, God says, that's exactly where I want you to be, because I want to use you in spite of yourself to reach your community, to reach your friends, to reach your spouse, to reach your friends and family and all those around you. I want to reach, use you in spite of your weaknesses, because then when you're weak, I'm strong. In spite of those things, don't fixate on your gaps. Understand that God's thumbprint is on your life. And He desires great things for you. He desires to see you step out and to use those gifts, to step out and be used by Him in spite of our weaknesses, in spite of our failings, all those times that we have failed God over and over and over again. And we may feel like failures, but God says, I'm going to use you anyway. Because when you are weak, I am strong. So what did Saul and David do with their gifting then? How did they, we, we see that God called them, he gifted them, others saw it. What did they do with their gifts? How did they use that time, those, that calling of God on their lives? Saul, he hid it. Saul hid his gift. In fact, after he was anointed with oil, Samuel called all the nations together, all the tribes together and says, you wanted a king? We're going to get you a king. Have all the tribes line up, 1 through 12, and we're going to select a tribe. And understand, only two people there that day really knew, already knew who was going to be selected, right? So he selects the tribe of Benjamin, he goes down and selects the clan. He selects the family of Kish. And then he goes down and goes, where's Saul? Where's Saul? Does anybody know where Saul is? He's this big six-foot-something guy, tall, dark hair, handsome, strong, bodybuilder type. Anybody know where he's at? We've selected the tribe, the clan, the family. Where's the man? And so they inquired of God, <laughs> this in Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 21 22, it says, And finally Saul, the son of Kish, was chosen from among them. But when they looked for him, he disappeared. And so they asked the Lord, Where is he? And the Lord replied, He's hiding among the baggage. <laughs> He's hiding among the baggage. 
He's hiding from what God has called him to do. God, he already knows God's going to lift him up as the king, yet he's hiding behind all this baggage. You can almost picture God with a big arrow going, eh, 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 like Bugs Bunny arrow. Eh, here he is, here he is. He's hiding him on the baggage. Soul, why are you hiding? God's already called you. But you know what? We do the same thing. We have baggage in our lives as well. may not be physical baggage, like a suitcase or a box, but we carry baggage around with us. Sometimes it's the baggage of our insecurity. It's the baggage of our past failures. It's the baggage of being too busy. Baggage of comparing ourselves with others. We carry this baggage around and we hide from the calling of God, saying, God, I can't do it because it's just as bad as what Saul did. It's just as bad as what Saul did. We say, 2019 wasn't very good, and I don't have very many prospects head for 2020. God, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. God says, no, I've got so much more out there for you. I want to use you to impact those around you. I want to use you to impact your neighbors. I want to use you to impact your family and your friends and your coworkers. Don't hide behind the baggage of business. Don't hide behind the baggage of past failures. We're all failures. We're in a room full of failures, myself included. We're all a bunch of failures. And God's going to use us anyway. See, the problem is when we're deep, neck deep in our baggage, we miss out on where God wants to take us. It's easy to see the thumbprint of God on somebody else. We miss it in ourselves. We miss it in ourselves because we get so focused on those areas where we have failed God over and over. God, I know I promised to read through the whole Bible this year, and 10 days in, I've already missed. <laughs> Anybody else done that? Yeah, every year. God, I'm going to read through the whole Bible this year. I'm going to read through the whole Bible this year. Oh, the three days, that wasn't very long for me to miss, was it? Stink! <laughs> I found out that it's not this as important that we read through the whole Bible, the whole, but we spend the whole year in the Bible, right? I know I've got a reading plan, and some of y'all, I've invited some of you guys to my reading plan on, on the Version Bible app, and Regina told me last night, she was, honey, this is a really long reading plan. This is going to be really hard for people. Why couldn't you have chosen one shorter? I'm like, sorry. <laughs> this is the one the Lord led me to. 49-week reading plan. I've already missed a couple days. i got to go back and make up. I've already failed. But if I focus and fixate on my failures, I'll miss out on what God wants me to do. David, what did David do? So Saul failed. He, he hid in the baggage. David went out and shared his gift. He shared it. The next time we see David mentioned, he's going out to exercise his gift. He's taking dinner to his brothers. Now that's not what God called him to. We're thinking, taking dinner to his brothers. The Philistines were coming against the nation of Israel. You know, the Philistines on one side, Israel on the other, and down in the middle was Goliath. Jesse says, David, take some food to your brothers. They're out there at the battle getting ready to fight against the Philistines. Take dinner to them and see how they're doing. So David 
throws his backpack on, loads it full of food, goes out there to visit his brothers, and he stands out there, and he's like, what's going on here? Why are y'all just standing around? Why are and who's this guy in the middle of the valley? What is going on? But look at in 1 Samuel 17, 26. It says, David asked the soldiers standing nearby, what will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he's allowed to defy the armies of the living God? He says, what is going on? Why are you standing around? It's just one man. You are the army of the living God. He steps up and says, I'll do it. This 13, 14, 15-year-old boy says, I'll go fight him. I'm going to go out there and take him on. You know the story. He goes down to the river, grabs five smooth stones, gets a slingshot. First stone hits him smack dab in the forehead. Goliath falls over. David goes over, grabs his sword, chops off his head. The Philistines run away. David's lifted up as his hero. Using his gift. See, Saul said, I don't have what it takes. I gotta hide. David said, Take what I have. I may not have much. I'm four, 13, 14, 15 years old, but I got a sling and a stone. I'll stand up there. I'll go out there and fight this uncircumcised Philistine. Whatever it takes. He's coming against the armies of the living God. God's called me to something great, and I'm going to use my gift. See, when we say, God, I don't feel like I have what it takes, we're basing the outcome upon our ability. God, I don't have the ability to lead this church. God, I don't have the ability to lead my family. God, I don't have the ability to whatever it is that you've called me to do. We're basing the outcome on my ability rather than the Holy Spirit which indwells us. Rather than God's Holy Spirit which is within you. Yet, when we say, God, take what I have, we know that if we're a follower of Christ, the war has already been won because Jesus won the war on the cross. God, take what I have. I bring you myself. All my, all my insecurities, all my failures, I bring you just as I am. Take me, use me to accomplish your purposes because I know the battle's already been won. I know the war's already been won. I want to get in the battle and see your, see your name lifted up. I want to get into the battle to take on the uncircumcised Philistines. See, being gifted means I have something to give. Prophecy, giving, service, teaching, encouragement, leadership, whatever your gifting may be, being gifted means you have something to give. Everybody is valuable in the kingdom of God. And not everyone's gift is the same. Not everyone's gift is the same. Some of us may have the gift of prophecy, you have the ability to stand up and speak and to tell, speak truth like it is. Some have the ability to get into God's word and have the, are able to, man, I understand the deep, intricate things of God's word. Some say, I just want to serve. I want to, be in the, I want to be behind the scenes and just serve and cut the grass and I don't want people to really know who I am. Some say, I want to get in there and teach the kids. I want to get in there. I, I'm, God's blessed me with some finances. I want to give to accomplish His purposes and see missions go forward and see our church move forward. God has given me that opportunity. 
I have the ability, gift of leadership where I can step up and see things that need to be done. Gift of administration where I can see how everything works together. God has gifted us each differently. So don't look down on somebody else because they aren't like you and don't look down on yourself because you're not like somebody else. Those gifts have been given to us to be used in the church and to be used as the church as we reach our community. Remember, you don't have to be great at everything. Just using what God has called you, what he has gifted you with. I'm not great at everything. I'm not great at most things. I stand up here and try to make a fool of myself every Sunday so that God gets the glory. <laughs> I do what I can to, as, as I go through my week to proclaim the name of Christ and to share him with as many people as I can so that he gets the glory. To explain as much as I can about God's word with people who are questioning and have a desire to hear so that he gets the glory. I desire to get on my knees and pray for each and every one of you so that he gets the glory in your lives. It's not me. It's not about patting my own back and saying, how can God get the glory through each and every one of us using our gifts? Like David, sharing it with those around, not like Saul, hiding in the bank.